Arjuna said, he requested Lord, O Lord, Sanyasasya Tattvam Vedamichami, I want to know the truth or the meaning of this word Sanyasa. Tyagasya Charushikesha, hey Rushikesha, O Lord, I also wish to know the meaning of this word Tyaga. <coughs> Whether Sanyasa and Tyaga, Sanyasa means renunciation, Tyaga also means renunciation. Since Lord Krishna has used both these words in number of places, in many, in many places during the discourses of Bhagavad Gita, therefore Arjuna wants a clarification, wants to get a clear understanding, a concise understanding of what is meant by renunciation. Because he is understood the renunciation is what is taught in the Bhagavad Gita, in the discourses of Lord Krishna, and that is really the central theme of the teaching, and therefore he wants to get a clear understanding. Well, he has, but he just wants a concise understanding, a summary, summarizing the whole teaching of the Bhagavad Gita. So yesterday we initiated a discussion on sannyasa. Let us continue with that. <coughs>
Vinyasa means renunciation. You know the word sannyasa is made up of these two elements. Sam and nyasa. Sam means very well. Nyasa is Abandonment and giving up. So giving up something very well. And therefore, really what Vedanta teaches us sannyasa, and let's understand sannyasa in a simple way. Giving up, let us say dropping, or letting go. Letting go. But letting go of what? So what to let go is important. Yeah. So let us say <coughs> Sanyasa is letting go of that. Sanyasa means letting go, dropping of that which is a cause of sorrow. This is practical, is it not? Who doesn't want to do that? Who wants to hold a hot potato in his hands? Nobody. Moment you find this hot potato, you just let it go. That's all. But unfortunately, although what is the cause of sorrow? That is where the problem is. The understanding what is the cause of sorrow. That is what requires wisdom. Letting go is something we will do. Moment I discover something is causing me sorrow, I am not going to hold on to it. Sukha prapti, dukha nivritti, attainment of happiness and giving up the un- unhappiness is something that I naturally do. And therefore, if you look upon our, if you see our life or review our life, we will find the life is nothing but a series of attempts of letting go of things. Although it looks like we are acquiring, the life can be looked upon in different ways. One way to look upon life is life acquisition, possessing, owning up, holding on to, enjoying, experiencing. That's one way of looking at life. Other way of looking at life can be also letting go, which is also what we are doing. Really in the process of acquiring something, we are letting go of something also. See, our life can be looked upon as acquiring these three things. There are three ways, all our desires can be classified in three categories. One is a desire to exist, a desire to be, desire to live, because the love for life, a love for being is natural love and therefore I do all kinds of things in order to perpetuate my existence, a happy existence. 
is also a natural desire for knowledge. And therefore, I always want to know. So, I want to accumulate knowledge, I want to be omniscient perhaps, you know, and therefore, a desire for knowledge. And third is desire for happiness. So, desire to be, because I do not want death, desire for knowledge, because I do not want ignorance, and desire for happiness, because I do not want unhappiness, that's all. So, I find myself constantly acquiring these three things in my life. So, we can look upon the life as acquisition of existence, knowledge, happiness. Or we can say in the very same process, I am letting go of something also. When I am, I am striving or struggling always to perpetuate my existence, a healthy existence, then I am letting go of death also. Or when I am acquiring knowledge, I am letting go of ignorance. When I am acquiring happiness, I am letting go of unhappiness. So we can say that our life is nothing but letting go. Letting go of death, letting go of ignorance, letting go of pain and sorrow or unhappiness. You can say our life is nothing but renunciation, is it not so? If renunciation is letting go, and letting go of that which causes me sorrow, I know that death causes me sorrow, I don't want it. Ignorance causes me sorrow, I don't want it. And sorrow causes me sorrow, I don't want it. Nobody <coughs> can accept himself or herself being ignorant or stupid. I, ignorant is okay, but stupid I can never accept myself to be. People always try to prove that I am stupid and I always try to prove that I am not stupid. This is always going on in every conversation. You see many conversations taking place among people, even among children also. You know, you know my dad is like this and I don't know, my dad is like that and my mom is like that. And so, deriving some pride out of father or mother also, and that they are smart and intelligent, I am also smart and intelligent, but always the need to prove that I am not stupid. I cannot stand with stupidity because uh, I just can't accept it. Therefore, I am trying to drop it, let go. So, letting go of non-existence, letting go of ignorance, letting go of sorrow or unhappiness, we can look upon our life as a process of letting go. So really our life is nothing but renunciation. Except that it requires wisdom to understand what is to let go. Sometimes what happens is that I may let go of something which is really precious to me. And hold on to something which is a cause of sorrow. So sometimes not understanding what causes sorrow and what causes happiness. On account of a wrong understanding of what causes sorrow and what causes happiness, it is quite possible that I may wind up letting go of something which is really a source of happiness and wind up acquiring something which is a cause of sorrow. <coughs> and therefore, this letting go is something that happens in the wake of knowledge. Because holding on to something also is purely at the level of the mind. It's holding on to something that this is mine. No, this is purely my own projection or my own, my, my own conclusion or my own notion. And so that this is mine, this is what I am, all of these are the various notions and therefore ultimately letting go amounts to letting go of the notions. And so what to let go? This is where the wisdom is required and that's the wisdom that Lord Krishna is providing in Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita's teaching began with this whole idea of letting go. Arjuna want to let go? What of this battle? You know, that's it. He became silent, saying to Lord Krishna, I will not fight. 
So he's letting go. What? What he looks upon as cause of sorrow? Swadhanam hikathamatva sukhinasyama madhava. Hey Madhava Lord, how can we be happy? Killing our near and dear ones, how can we be happy? So, he cannot be happy necessarily killing the near and dear ones, and therefore he wants to give them up. And he looks upon the battle as the very cause of killing the near and dear ones, so he wants to give up the battle. But in the olden days you cannot give up something, uh, you don't have the freedom to give up something unless it is given sanction by the scriptures. So only way to give up thing is that you become formally a sannyasi, then you can give up something. Nobody can give up their duties. Akarane pratyavaya. It is said that if you fail to perform your duty, then you are inviting sin, you are inviting, you know, you are violating something. So non-performance of duty also is a violation. And you are accountable for that violation. And so the only way that I can let go of the duty is when I change this stage of my life, then I become a renunciate. So you can become a renunciate and take a vow that from now on I am renouncing all my duties, I am renouncing all my claims and so forth. That is what Arjuna Parish said in mind. So understand that Bhagavad Gita began <coughs> with the question of sannyasa only because Arjuna wanted to take sannyasa. The only way that Arjuna can give up his duty is when he becomes sannyasi. Otherwise he cannot. In that time there is no dropping out. Because there is a conscience, you know, which person grows in a certain culture, in a certain, certain psyche, psychology is there. And therefore, failing to perform the duty causes a tremendous sense of guilt. Now, the idea of duty is so much ingrained that I am duty bound, they say, you know, I am duty bound, Swami. I am duty bound to my family, I am duty bound to my parents, I am duty bound to this, duty and bound, you know, so duty bound. And therefore, when a person like that fails to perform the duty, it causes guilt. I know several brahmacharis also who came to study Vedanta, they left home. Their parents did not want them to leave home and the parents had expectations from them and these people had their own agenda and therefore they left home. But feeling guilty inside that, look, I abandoned my parents. I did not fulfill their wishes. So these kind of things, in any conscientious person, it leaves a sense of guilt. And also there is, this is said, akarane pratyavaya. You fail to perform your duty, then you are going to incur this sin. And therefore, you are, you are accountable. So that's why the only way that you can really give up your duty is by formally becoming a renunciate. Because this idea of renunciation has a sanction of the shruti, of the scriptures. And therefore one who is renunciate, he is no more expected to perform any duties. That's a great relief, is it not? And that is what Arjuna wanted to do. But whether he was giving up his duty, so it is also understand this letting go really looks like giving up. But we should really understand that as growing out of, you know. Growing out of that which is the cause of sorrow. Letting go of that which is cause of sorrow or growing out of that which is the cause of sorrow. You know the best way to solve the problem is to become bigger than the problem, that's all. 
best way to solve a problem is to become bigger than the problem because what we normally do is when the problem goes we manipulate we try to avoid the problem try to change something try to manipulate something leaving the cause of problem as it is and then we remain intact not recognizing that when a problem is caused that I also have a role in it and I keep I remain intact and I manipulate the things outside of myself so that I can avoid the problem I can twist I can pass it I can do something Mostly skills of the people are used in that. That's what we call in the bhoga, material way of doing things. The spiritual way of relating to any problem or resolving is to become bigger than the problem. To grow out. When a problem is created, when something causes sadness or sorrow to me, understand that there is some contribution I also have. And I must grow out of that. So, therefore renunciation, renunciation is letting go of that which is the cause of sorrow or growing out of that which is cause of sorrow. Now, however, it requires wisdom to know what is the cause of sorrow. So, Arjuna had a certain wisdom that it is his war, it is his battle, there is a cause of sorrow and therefore he would let it go. Lord Krishna does not accept it, that's all. Lord Krishna knows Arjuna is sorrowful and that he must, you know, he must become free from sorrow. And Lord Krishna is committed to making free from sorrow. This is great. That's the kind of teaching you need, you know, with a commitment to make sure that the student is free from sorrow. That's what a teacher is. Not just who gives discourses and then lets the student do whatever he wants to do, you know. That's, that's not that kind of thing. But here is a teacher who is committed to make sure he will not stop until Arjuna becomes free from sorrow. So you know in Bhagavad Gita, after all the 18 chapters at the end, Lord Krishna asks Arjuna, Hey Arjuna, did you listen attentively to what I say? Kachideda Shram Partha Tvaika Agrena Chetasa Hey Partha, Hey Arjuna, have you listened attentively to what I say? Kachida Jnana Samoha Pranashtaste Dhananjaya Hey Dhananjaya, Hey Arjuna, this delusion born of ignorance, is it gone or not? So what Arjuna said that it is not gone. What would happen, have happened? Suppose at that time Arjuna says that my sorrow or delusion is not gone. What would have happened to Lord Krishna? He would have been obliged to continue with his discourse. In that case, he would have more than 18 chapters of the Gita. That is where Shankaracharya explains. How come Lord Krishna asked this question of Arjuna? Even though Lord Krishna is pretty sure, but he asked this question of Arjuna. Giving the freedom to Arjuna. In Upanishad also we find that the teacher also says, okay, this is all I have to say, I have nothing more to say. Sometimes, another way around also. Sometimes students feel that something more, something maybe still remains, something still remains. The teacher says, this is it. Whatever I have to say, I have to say, what you have is enough. And that should help you to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Here Lord Krishna says, other way around, that, hey Arjuna, is your delusion gone? Arjuna came forward and said, Yes, Lord, Nashto Mohaha, my Moha, my delusion is gone. Surti Labdha, yes, my, the wisdom has come to me. Tat Prasana, by your grace, the wisdom has come to me. Sthitosmi Gata Sandeha, there is no Sandeha, no doubt in me at all. <coughs> so, so Arjuna said, if he said it differently, that Lord Krishna would have been obliged to continue with his discourse. 
So here the teacher who is committed to release the student from sorrow. Otherwise Lord Krishna would have said, I told you. After second, in second chapter, you know, what was to be told has been told. In Arjuna Siyas question, he continues. Fifth <coughs> again continues. And this continues and continues. Oh, forget it. Now say it now. You, you contemplate about what I have said. That also what teachers may say. But here the teacher says, okay, not understood? Let me say that again. Not understood? Let me say that again. Some clarification? Here. Yes. Tremendous compassion, you know. I mean, you can see the Lord Krishna here as nothing but an embodiment of compassion. Why should I mean? Everybody is waiting that this is dialogue taking place in the middle of battlefield? It's not that they are, you know, they are seated in a, in a forest or some place, you know, where there is nothing else to do. Nobody is waiting for them. Everybody is waiting. Hundreds of thousands of people are waiting for them. And then also Lord Krishna takes all the time that is necessary, not hurrying up at all, you know. So this question began with sannyasa, because Arjuna in fact wanted to become sannyasi. Everybody wants to become sannyasi. Because everybody wants to let go of that which causes sorrow. And Arjuna also, so now what is the cause of sorrow? That is why they say wisdom is required. Arjuna had some wisdom. He thought that it is this battle which is the cause of my sorrow and therefore he wanted to let go of it. But Lord Krishna had another idea of what is the cause of sorrow and therefore he does not allow Arjuna, meaning does not sympathize, does not agree with Arjuna. Until Arjuna sees what the cause of sorrow is. Here Arjuna, the cause of sorrow is not out there, it is in you somewhere. And so that is the wisdom that is imparted in the Bhagavad Gita. But basically, what we are saying is, our life is nothing but life of sannyas. On one way we can look upon our life as life of acquisition. The other way of looking upon our life is life of letting go, of giving up, life of renunciation. And therefore renunciation is what we have to do in our life because already we have too much, we have too much ignorance, we have too many notions and too many delusions are there, we have to let them go. <coughs> so sannyasa, Samyak nyasaha, sannyasaha. Giving up something, letting go of something very well. What is meant by very well? So that you do not feel a sense of loss. You heard Swamiji's story of this little boy who is playing with his marbles. So the little boy playing with marbles for the whole year in India. Now comes the time of examination. This fellow is not studied at all for the whole year. And therefore, mother now puts her foot down and says, no more playing marble. You're not going to go out in the street, stay home and study. And so this poor boy has to give up, he has given up, renounced playing the marble. <laughs> it's also a way of renouncing. Except that he has renounced outwardly, not inwardly. And so even when his, his mother thinks that he's studying, because his, her, his back is there, she Every 15 minutes she comes in and, and looks over and says, yes, my son is studying, my son is studying. Except what he's doing is this only, sitting there. <laughs> and so, mother cannot see that. Because in his mind, only there is this playing with the marbles. Because he knows his friends are playing with the marbles and he's deprived of it. And so, he has given up, but not given up. So he's given up, but not very well given up, because there is a sense of loss. So when we give up something, and there is a sense of loss. That means that you are not given up. Some people tell us, Swamiji, you know something? 
you know what I used to do? No, some, some, Swami would tell. I used to be so and so, I was such and such. He renounced everything, you know, things like that. So, that means things are still there, I guess, you know. And so, giving up, and so on. Nothing wrong in that, but the idea is, that is called sannyasa when, when something is given up without a sense of loss, because it understood that, by giving that up, it is not even given up. It should drop off. Letting go or dropping off. Ideally it should go away by itself. You did not don't even have to do any action. If you give up something, then your doership is involved, then you are a giver up. In which case definitely there is going to be a loss because you have given up something. If it drops off, if it goes away by itself, well then there is no loss at all. And therefore really sannyasa should mean dropping off means things just dropping off. The cause of sorrow drops off and drops off and drops off. When will it drop off? When there is no reason for it to be there. Everything remains when there is a reason for it to be. And so, as long as I am holding on to various demands and notions, whatever, so long the causes of sorrow stick to me. And when the cause is given up, the effect also goes away. And therefore we say, this is a process of growing out, of letting go of various attachments, various demands, various notions born of ignorance. And thus is a process of gaining knowledge, gaining wisdom in our life. As you gain the wisdom, the notions born of ignorance go off and that is how things just drop off. <coughs> and therefore, ideally sannyasa can be said to be a process of self-growth. That's what it is. There are sometimes people say, Swamiji, uh, I know it, that's how I know enough. Now, in spite of knowing Swami, nothing happens. I know everything. But I can't do it. Nothing happens to me. So we think that knowing and growing are two different processes. But Swami, I know it. But still, I can't do it. I know I should speak truth. But when the time comes, I am not able to speak truth. I know I should be honest. When the time comes, I cannot be honest. Like Duryodhana says, I know what dharma is, but I just cannot practice it. I know what a dharma is, I can't give it up. That means he does not know, that's all. If he knew what dharma is, he cannot but practice it. If he knew what dharma is, he cannot but give it up. The fact that he cannot practice dharma, meaning he does not know, he knows the letter, but not the spirit of dharma. A person knows the value, but not the value of the values. And therefore, when knowledge does not impact us, that means that knowledge has yet to be gained. Or we should continue with it. Because the self-growth and knowledge are the same. According to Vedanta, there is nothing to be done other than knowledge, really. Even karma yoga also is nothing but the process of knowing. Because as we said yesterday, and we will say it again also, that karma yoga means whenever I perform an action, that action brings up various demands and likes and dislikes which are embedded in there. It is like dropping a, a, a pebble in a puddle of water. 
and whatever mud is there at the bottom comes out. So you throw a stone, the mud comes out. Otherwise it is not seen. Otherwise the water will be so clear that you think that everything is, that water is pure. Only when you throw a pebble in there, that the, the, the mud which is there at the bottom comes out. So we act karma, our action becomes a pebble, throwing in a pool of my mind. And what stuff is in there, comes out in that time. And that gives me an opportunity to deal with that. And that also, and what mud comes out, is only a product of ignorance. And therefore, it has to be done with knowledge. So also we, therefore, renunciation also can be the process of growing in wisdom. So understand, this is what Lord Krishna teaches. When you, when you hear the word sannyasa, then you get scared with that word, you know? But sannyasa is a very beautiful process. And in fact, all of us are only attempting to be sannyasis. Only Lord Krishna guides that process. The process of renunciation that is already going on in our life, because that's what we want. So, moksha shastra is a shastra of freedom. And therefore, for freedom, just letting go. Because you are already free. If you were born, then freedom was something to be acquired. Then it would become a process of acquiring something. But if you are already free, and you want to become free, that means that you have to own up the freedom. You have to give up the, the obstacles to that freedom. <coughs> and so this is the sannyasa that is taught, and we were talking about three stages that Lord Krishna talks about. There are other stages also, but Lord Krishna talks about Karma Yoga. We can even see the sannyasa earlier than that also, before Karma Yoga. Also, there is a renunciation involved. You know, first of all, Lord Krishna asks Arjuna to participate. Don't drop out. See, Arjuna's proposal of sannyasa was equivalent to dropping out, that's all. Not growing out. Arjuna's proposal of sannyasa of giving up this battle is dropping out from the battle and not growing out of battle. Understand? That's the reason why Lord Krishna did not accept it. He wanted to drop out because it's too hard, too painful, too difficult. So he wanted to drop out. Lord Krishna doesn't like that. He says, dropping out is no way. And so in the third chapter, Lord Krishna says, if you drop out, if you do not participate, then you cannot even sustain, maintain your body. If you become a karma, meaning that if you become uh, uh, if you become inactive, actionless is one thing, inactive is another thing. You become inactive. You do not participate. Then you will also cease to receive the participation by the rest of the world. <coughs> Understand that you are what you are on account of mutual participation or mutual support. And therefore, you are receiving the support from the world and you must also respond by returning that favor. If you stop doing your part in terms of participating in the scheme of things in Arjuna, you will not receive support also and you cannot even maintain your body. This is what Lord Krishna says. 
So, in fact, the first thing that is even told is giving up the inactivity, you know, renunciation you want to call it. So, Lord Krishna will again come to this in the 18th chapter, but giving up inactivity. You can't be inactive. You have to be active. You have to participate. But Swamiji, you yourself say that sannyas is the one who renounces action. How come you condone renunciation of action, giving up the uh, duties? It is when you do not ask for any support. As long as you are asking for support, so long you have to contribute. Who is the sannyasi? The one who says, I do not need any support. I am giving up my duties because I have no claim on anything. As long as I have a claim, so long I have duty. So in fact, the sannyasi gives up not really duties as much as he gives up claims. And so as long as the claim is there, activity must be there. And therefore, of inactivity. That means participation. This is the first thing that Lord Krishna teaches. Second thing is, when you even when you perform action, then also action must be performed in keeping with the dharma, in keeping with the order. And therefore, even performing action also, Duryodhana is very active. Duryodhana is very active, but that kind of activity also we don't need. What do we want? Activity, all right. Participation, that is, in keeping with dharma. <coughs> and so, renunciation of dharma. Dharma means what? Those tendencies to violate the order. There are these tendencies to violate the order. Whenever I get angry, when I am greedy, when I am jealous, so whenever this lust, anger, greed, jealousy, when these impulses arise in my mind, when I am controlled by them, then there is this tendency to violate the order. And so, renunciation of those tendencies to violate the order. Number one, renunciation of the tendency not to lose of anything. Tendency to drop out, number one, that is to be given up. And when you are doing something, the tendency to violate the order, those tendencies also should be given up. So we should understand these first two stages also. Then comes Karma Yoga. Then comes the third here. Renunciation of 
selfishness. This is where Bhagavad Gita begins. Really, so far is this karma kanda, you know. This is what the Vedas teach us. In the Vedas we find the prescription of many rituals and the ways to perform them so that whatever you do is done according to dharma. So Vedas teaches is dharma by performing an action based on dharma or a virtuous action. Then you become the recipient of punya or virtue. That's what then qualifies you to gain happiness or pleasure and if you do it in sufficient measure you can go to swarga. This is what so therefore, this is still samsara. Even when you participate and even when you are a righteous person, you can still be a samsara. Some people say, Swamiji, well, I'm a good person. I don't hurt anybody. I uh, do what is right to do. Why, why do I need Bhagavad Gita? So then Bhagavad Gita begins. Bhagavad Gita begins here. This renunciation of Adharam is doing what is right. Okay. But still, what is the intention with which you are doing? What is the agenda in your doing? That is where Bhagavad Gita comes in. Usually when I perform an action and perform it also honestly, still it is for my personal benefit. It is for my personal reward. Lord Krishna says <coughs> that tendency of personal reward, seeking remuneration, seeking reward, that also has to come. This is also a beggarly tendency. Oh, I do something, I must be rewarded. This is what I did, this is what I must get. This is samsara, you know. So until then, this is some, as long as I am asking for a reward in return for what I did, I think I justified. But you still remain only in the cycle of samsara. You get a reward in heavens. Or in terms of some pleasure, in terms of power, whatever you get, <coughs> But then come back again. Shine punye, marte lokam vishandi. When your punyas get exhausted, you start all over again. So really spiritual life begins here. Renunciation of selfishness. That is where the spiritual life begins and this is where Bhagavad Gita begins. And this process, Lord Krishna calls yajna. Offering. So rather than your actions becoming a means of acquiring something that you don't have, rather than your actions becoming a means of seeking rewards, let your actions become a means of making an offering. Just reverse the process. Rather than making an action an instrument of seeking reward, let an action become an instrument of making an offering. From here the growth process begins. Here also is the end. Dharma also growth is involved, no doubt. Because those tendencies are to be given up. But the real growth begins here when this tendency of self-centeredness, 
of seeking the reward, of being compensated, you know, when that also starts, is also given up. And this is called Karma Yoga. So this is the first level of renunciation that Lord Krishna talks about in the Gita. Earlier are talked about in the Karma Kanda, and we expect that the person has gone through this, then alone he comes to Gita. That's the reason why Bhagavad Gita has taught to Arjuna not to Duryodhana. Because Duryodhana has not given up the dharma. He is not given up dharma, therefore he does not qualify for the teaching of Bhagavad Gita. For knowledge always requires qualification of certain maturity. Knowledge may not require qualification whether I should be a man or a woman. Whether I should be a Brahman or a Kshatriya, that qualification is not important. What is important is what level of maturity I have. And I become qualified for given knowledge depending upon what level of maturity I have. So, imparting of every form of knowledge calls for a certain level of maturity. And thus, imparting of Bhagavad Gita calls for a maturity of this level. One who has lived a life of dharma. So, Arjuna represents the dharma. He has lived a life of dharma. But, so far, the dharma that he performed was for his own well benefit. In the 14 years and the 13 years that the Pandavas went, 12 years particularly when they were in the forest, other people did other things, but Arjuna was very active. He performed a lot of penances and acquired lots of weapons and lot of you know, abilities he acquired. Basically it was to equip himself, become a more and a stronger and stronger warrior. That was his the purpose. So far there is his process. And so this is where we come to the third stage or the first stage in the Gita, this is the Karma Yoga. And we talked about this yesterday. We'll continue to talk about it in the in course of discussing the verses of the 18th chapter also. <coughs> we said yesterday what Karma Yoga and this morning, what Karma Yoga involves is dropping, letting go of the tendency of this self-centeredness. Always seeking the reward for uh, my seeking remuneration for whatever labor I do, so that tendency. And we'll see that means also Raga and Dvesha, attachments and aversions. And so Karma Yoga is a process of letting go. This Raga, as you see, represents Rajas. This Dvesha represents Tamas. So, Karma Yoga becomes a process of letting go of rajas and tamas, which are the impurities. 
It is like making the water free from the impurity. So in the in the pool of water, whatever dirt is there, removing that dirt. That is tamas. And whatever disturbances are there on the surface, quietening them. That is rajas. And so removing the dirt and disturbances. Rajas and tamas. The impurities. And thus karma becomes a process of self-purification. And so the mind becomes sattvic. <coughs> we say the mind becomes sattvic. Understand that the mind is always sattvic. Not always sattvic. It is the nature of the mind that it is sattvic. Mind by nature is pure. And his likes and dislikes, or other veshas are impurities which are extraneous, which are not the nature of the mind. This is one nice thing, <coughs> that mind is not polluted really. Just because there is dirt in water does not mean the water becomes dirty. No intrinsic change happens in water even when there is dirt in the water. And that's the reason why the dirt can be removed, it can be filtered out, it can be removed. Like in the swimming pools, you know, in the beginning, in the spring, they start that process. There's a pump and there's a filter and all sorts of things. Why? Water is purified. Because the impurity which is there in the pool is not intrinsic or inherently the nature of water. Had that impurity or dirt made change the nature of water and made it dirty, no filter can change it. But here, just we are able to remove the impurities from water because they are not intrinsic. Similarly also, we can remove the impurities from our mind, like the likes and dislikes, because they are not intrinsic nature of the mind. <coughs> so what is mind? Intrinsically pure. So we say it becomes sattvic. Doesn't become sattvic. The sattva becomes manifest, which is there, that purity becomes manifest. <coughs> And then what happens, as we said yesterday, when the mind becomes sattvic, then there arises vairagya. Also, there's one way of, how do I know Swamiji if I'm making progress? Well, with a vairagya. Vairagya means freedom from? Raga and Dvesha. Viragi is also called dispassion, meaning my mind becomes free from the inner passions, the inner impulses, from such passions as the lust, anger, greed, jealousy, all of these which actually pollute my mind, cloud my mind, disturb my mind, the mind becomes, starts becoming free from that, and thus I gain a greater and greater inner poise, an inner tranquility. person is a good person, a person who follows life of dharma, still may not enjoy that peace of mind because always concerned about what will happen. 
for that person still, the reward is very important. So I may be an honest person all right, I perform an action seeking a certain reward. But as long as reward is important to me, my mind is always concerned about whether the reward will come or not. Now reward is something that is uncertain. I cannot control the reward, I can control the action, but not the reward. Therefore, as long as I am concerned about the reward, my mind cannot enjoy that peace or tranquility because concern about reward will be there. You will enjoy a lot of tranquility because the dharma is gone, no doubt. And still, it cannot enjoy sufficient tranquility as long as it is concerned about the reward. Lord Krishna wants that mind should become free from that concern also as to what the reward will be. Then it can enjoy a real tranquility. <coughs> and that is when it becomes contemplative. So far it was an active mind, now it becomes contemplative. So from active. From active, from seeking, the person becomes contemplative, seeing. <coughs> so mind, which is seeking, becomes a seeing mind. That's a very important change. This is basically a new title, you know, from aging to saving, so as you can say, from seeking to seeing, you know. Then now it is ready for knowledge. Now there is maturity. And at this point, the person has the freedom to give up, to renounce his duties. See, this is the time now when the duty actually becomes a source of agitation, becomes an obstacle. So what was so far really a means, what was so far helpful, after when it has served its purpose, becomes now a source of disturbance. Like the fire, when I'm cooking food. So you require fire to cook the food. So when the food is cooked, then what? Then the fire must be now discontinued. The fire must be extinguished. Turn, you know, the gas must be turned off. If you don't, but no, no, how can you turn off this gas? Look, look at this gas. It has helped you all this time. It has cooked your food. And you must now, you know, support it. You can't. You will turn it off. Because that which was so far means to, uh, to help me now becomes something that actually hurts me or becomes a distraction, becomes a burden. The example that is normally given is that you use a boat to cross the river. And when you reach the other bank, then you give up that boat. Not that you hold on to the, you know, because a boat has been helpful to you, carry on your head, you don't do that. You just leave it there. Similarly also, karma or the duty. When is a karma, it means duty actually. This idea of duty, and duty always involves understand selfless. It cannot be duty and still can be uh, selfish. Will, will, yeah. 
So duty means selfless. And so, and so duty which was a means so far, now it will become a source of distraction or agitation. Therefore, it has to be given up. It has to be dropped. But what happens is, in the Vedic system, you cannot drop the duty. That is why it has to be formally dropped. You cannot individually decide to discontinue a duty. Therefore, you must change your ashrama. You must change your stage of life in order to give up that duty. That is where a formal sannyasa comes into play. So far also is sannyasa. Karma yoga also is sannyasa. But then, it doesn't look like a sannyasa, conventional. It's selective. But when it comes to this point, then he formally becomes a sannyasa. <coughs> we said yesterday that when this mind becomes seen, there arises a desire to know, which is called vivedisha or jignasa. And therefore, sannyasa renunciation taken on account of the desire to know is called vivedisha sannyasa. Sannyasa, you want to become this sannyasa. It's also called Vaiva Sannyasa. <coughs> what is Vaiva? This word Vaiva comes from the Vidhi. From the word Vidhi. So, you are enjoined, you know, enjoined sannyasa. <coughs> what is the sannyasa means? Enjoined sannyasa. You can formally take sannyasa. <coughs> This is a good way of keeping people awake, I think, you know, because when you write in the words in the people also write notes and everything. So that works out well, I guess, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, lying, lying, Lord Krishna has to keep saying, listen, Arjuna, listen to me, you know. So again, I draw the attention. But I guess this is the process that can keep the people's attention, you know, also. But anyway, now it's, it's important that you get some material, you know, so that you can think about it also. Otherwise, it just remains here. and. It's difficult to recall this sequence of thought development. It, when we listen, it appears as though everything is, it is clear. It has to be clear, I'm sure. The way it is communicated must become clear anyway. But uh, we can't always recall things. We cannot retain it. And so writing notes is always very important because it is how we can retain things. And uh, even more important, equally important is write short notes after going to a room, write them elaborate in your own words. And that will become an excellent material for reference. After six months or twelve months, if you read this, you will be surprised. Have I written this? You know? You will be really surprised. Did I learn all this? Has Swamiji taught us all this? There was students who say. Then they become after studying the Brahmachari course and they go out and become teachers, you know? Then they refer to the notes which they wrote in the class. 
Oh, Swami has taught us this. He has taught us this. We learn these things, you know. So, uh, <clears throat> but therefore, writing notes or making points, writing exercise is important. So, Dvidisha Sanyasa. Sanyasa that is taken in view of seeking the knowledge. But it is sannyasa which is enjoined, therefore you can formally take sannyasa, formally renounce your duties and become sannyasi, which is a way of life. And this, this sannyasa is a way of life. Okay, we'll continue our discussion. <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta Upanapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratnadi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhagavan